crab is officially back in season. Restaurants all over Taiwan are competing to promote their signature crab dishes. One seafood restaurant in Taipei sets itself apart with its ultra-fresh cuisine, giving customers the chance to experience the flavors of Penghu right in the capital. Whole crabs, scallops, oysters, and clams are tossed into the pots and boiled up into sizzling seafood congee. This eatery in Taipei insists on having seafood shipped fresh by air from Penghu every day. Foodies are coming in droves to have a taste of the flavorful cuisine. It tastes very fresh and sweet. I'm allergic to seafood that isn't fresh. At venues like wedding banquets, the seafood will be more salty. But here it tastes light and sweet. The flavors are on the milder side, but the taste of fish really comes through. I like the sashimi because it's really fresh and soft. It's so good. This pot of crab congee is cooked up in a fresh, sweet soup stock and has more ingredients than your standard bowl of rice porridge. The saw-tipped squid is seared on the stove without seasoning or sauce, bringing out its natural flavor. This calabash dish is made with five kinds of vegetables. First steamed and then simmered for nearly two hours to make the gourd so soft you can cut it with a spoon. The owner strictly monitors the freshness of the ingredients and doesn't use ingredients stored overnight. This way, the food tastes just as fresh as it would back in his home in Penghu. I opened this restaurant so that fresh Penghu cuisine could be available in Taipei. These are the flavors I enjoyed when I was young, and I want my customers to experience the freshness of Penghu seafood. The rich aroma of this dish of oysters with pickled vegetables will make your mouth water. With such bold flavors, the owner allows seafood fans to get the taste of the ocean without having to make the journey to Penghu. After being held online last year due to the pandemic, the 2022 We Island Dance Festival Shuling Jump is back in action this year with in-person performances from October 24th to November 6th. Organizers say they hope this year's performances will bring the audience closer in touch with contemporary dance. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang takes us in for a preview. Ballet dancer takes the stage. This is Taiwanese dancer Zhong Zhanghong. He learned ballet when he was seven years old. Previously, he danced for the State Street Ballet in Santa Barbara and the Greek National Opera Ballet. Zhong also learned hip hop in high school. On stage, he shares his journey as a dancer through a performative monologue. This is a preview of one of the programs that will be part of the We Island Dance Festival, Suling Jump. The program, which is titled I Am My Body, will showcase six and a half hours of performances by 16 artists whose styles include contemporary dance, hip hop, Argentinian tango, tap dance, and more. Each artist will have 15 minutes to perform through spoken word, dance, and a Q&A session. The dance monologues will allow the audience to learn more about the dancer's journey as a performer, what dance means to them, and what goes on in their minds while performing. Well, we Island Dance Festival is is the first 
festival with a different kind of dance. We have ballet, contemporary, hip-hop, belly dance. Each edition, we are looking for different kind of dance that we could bring dance to more audiences. Uh, to be honest, that uh, in Taiwan, many audiences has have the feeling that contemporary dance is difficult to understand. And we want to break that stereotype by doing We Island Dance Festival. The We Island Dance Festival, Sulin Jump, is back with in-person performances this year and will center on the theme of dancing together. The festival this year will also include 16 workshops, one movie screening, two lectures, and one podcast event. Organizers say they hope to introduce contemporary dance performance to those who have never seen it before. So one of the goals of We Island Dance Festival is to bring audiences to contemporary dance. And that is why we have talks, we have podcasts, we have workshops, we have performances. By doing that, each of the audience could really experience dance by their own body, with their brain and mind, and fall in love with dance. This year, we have two talks. The first one is writing on contemporary dance. So we focus on how do you write contemporary dance and dance critic. The next one is uh, uh, what is dance dramaturgy. And the new program is a podcast. So uh, this is a new program. This year we have this new idea of bringing all the uh, 16 artists together to do a podcast. And the podcast will be online after the dance festival. So the audience could have a chance to really listen to what's going on behind the scenes. The festival will kick off at the Shulin Art Center on October 24th and run to November 6th. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Jian Shifeng in Taipei. The 2022 Asian Academy Creative Awards have announced a shortlist ahead of a two-day award ceremony in Singapore that begins December 7th. FTV has been shortlisted for nine awards, the most for a Taiwanese contender. These include getting on the shortlist for Best Current Affairs Program or series with FTV Hall of Descent's Sugar-Coated Lies about scams in online dating. FTV's coverage of Taiwan's four referendums on December 18th last year was shortlisted for Best News Program. A story about Taiwan's fight to be included in the World Health Assembly was shortlisted for Best Single News Story Report. FTV's English News anchor Ken Lee was shortlisted for Best News or Current Affairs Presenter Anchor. In addition, FTV's variety get-together and TV series Tavern by the Leaf were also shortlisted for two and three awards, respectively. In the past, it was necessary to head into a store or MRT station to top up an EasyCard digital payment card. Now users can top up using their mobile phone if it has a NFC sensor and they purchase one of the company's new supercards. The per transaction purchase limit has also been raised with the new card, so users can now make purchases of up to 10,000 NT at a time and can add as little as 100 NT per top up. This easy card call representative scans one of the company's new supercards to a mobile phone and then selects the top up function in the cards app. With the supercard, users can top up from anywhere using a mobile phone with an NFC sensor. We were initially blocked from implementing the feature on iPhones, so we had to find a way around that. If you obstruct me, I'll just find another path. Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhou focuses intently as the new card is demonstrated and also takes the opportunity to complain about Apple's closed iOS system. 
with the obstruction resolved, now both Apple and Android users have access to the card's functions, which include the ability to purchase monthly 1,280 NT MRT passes from anywhere. Apple users are still unable to enter the country's MRT networks by scanning their phones, but the company says it will resolve that issue soon as well. We are implementing diverse applications using the supercard and later we will make this public. Here are the major electronic payment options at a glance. The supercard is usable for fare payment on public transportation and payment at all major convenience stores, as well as at 2,335,000 ,000 other payment locations. The maximum transaction amount has been raised from the 1,500 NT limit on the original EasyCard to 10,000 NT on the SuperCard. The closest competition is the iPass card, which allows transactions up to 1,000 NT, with a daily limit of 3,000 NT. However, iPass can be used without limit for MRT and TRA fare payments. Another option, iCash, has a transaction limit of 10,000 NT, but can only be used at two convenience store chains. Using phones for top-up at a convenience store, you are required to add a minimum of 500 NT. Now, with the SuperCard and a mobile phone with an NFC sensor, you can add as little as 100 NT each time. Officials say new functions are also planned for digital versions of student ID and municipal residence cards. With the growing prevalence of digitised services, EasyCard Corps hopes to stay ahead of the game. An elementary school in Jiayi has an exciting new curriculum about food. Kids are taught about farming, how to cook, and the nutritional values of meals. The school knocked down the wall of its central kitchen to install a glass window allowing children to watch the cooks at work. The new curriculum is part of the remote school central kitchen scheme recently rolled out by the Ministry of Education. It's early in the morning and a delivery of fresh food arrives at Minha Elementary in Jiayi County. As the school lunch is prepared, children can watch the cooks in the central kitchen through this glass window. In practical lessons, teach kids about the importance of farming and food safety. We want to teach the children how to count their blessings, from the educational farm in the central kitchen to our food education classroom. All of it is linked together to teach children to count their blessings, to cherish what they have and to create more abundance. The school's food curriculum includes harvesting, washing food and preparing meals in the kitchen. Students also learn about the nutritional value of different foods. Lunch times are a chance not just to fill up, but also for kids to think about where food comes from. Financial analysts are gearing up for World Investment Week, where they will discuss rising global interest rates and the falling stock market. Ahead of the meeting, two analysts say the greenback may appreciate as U.S. rates climb and stay higher than rates elsewhere. However, those planning to buy dollars and bonds should remain cautious and should not expect to buy low and sell big, they say. What's special about a bond is that it brings a stable cash flow as long as it doesn't go too low. 
So I think that investors are watching the changes in the investment market. Don't expect to buy at the lowest and sell at the highest rates. Financial analyst Li Chang-Gung says that a country's bonds are generally tied to its monetary policy. He advises investors to act according to their cash flow and goals. With interest rates and inflation high worldwide, attention is focused on whether the US dollar will peak and whether it's time to buy dollars and bonds, he says. Continually rising interest rates and the difference in rates between countries means capital flows toward the US dollar. If inflation continues to rise, the Fed will continue to raise interest rates. If the rate is higher than that in other countries, then the dollar will go up. Lee says that whether planning short, medium or long-term investments, investors are reminded that inflation will continue to rise and that caution is advised. Nowadays, many banks and security trusts are assisting investors through mobile phone apps, which can do simulations of volatility control and risk diversification. This other expert says investors can reduce the impact of inflation by switching from a single investment portfolio to multiple investments. He advises not putting all of one's eggs in the same basket in order to reduce risk. The executive yuan says next year's general budget will be more than 2.7 trillion NT dollars. Premier Su Zhenchang on Tuesday took questions about this from lawmakers at the legislative yuan. TPP lawmaker Chiu Chenyuan criticized the Tsai administration for making too frequent use of special budgets. In response, Su stressed that the government would abide by fiscal discipline. He also noted that whether it was a special budget for epidemic prevention or countering low birth rates, the government had managed to deliver results. The general budget has already reached 2 trillion NT. The government keeps stressing fiscal discipline and that it's repaid the most debts. But we don't want to see the situation where money gets just moved around and new loans are created to pay off old debts. We are very cautious and abide by fiscal discipline in the preparation of each budget, such as the special budget for epidemic prevention and the special budget for the forward-looking infrastructure development program. We have seen the effects of the epidemic prevention program, and we have seen that our infrastructure budget is popular in various places. Mayors and county commissioners, regardless of party affiliation and other elected representatives, strongly approve. We have also seen that it has brought results. Sue also said the national defense budget for next year will stand at 415.1 billion NT, an increase of 47.5 billion, or 12.9% on this year. The foreign ministry has been allocated 31.7 billion NT, an increase of 1.6 billion, or 5.5% over this year. The four DPP mayoral candidates representing Taiwan's key northern cities today held a joint press conference with a message that they would cooperate with each other regionally if elected. Taipei mayoral candidate Chen Shizhong, Taoyuan mayoral candidate Zhen Yunpeng, Jilong mayoral candidate Cai Shiying, and new Taipei mayoral candidate Lin Jialong promised effective joint regional governance of the area they plan to represent. Issues such as improved transport arteries, a new U-bike platform, and plans for government industry cooperation were touted by the candidates as areas of governance. Let's hear from the four hopefuls. The DPP's mayoral candidates for the four major cities in northern Taiwan, Chen Shizhong, Lin Jialong, Cai Shiying, and Zheng Yunpeng, met on Tuesday in New Taipei for a campaign event. The four candidates donned bike helmets and went for a ride. 
is U-Bike 2.0. We have proposed a new U-Bike 2.0e platform. Taipei will request 1,000 of the platform's new bikes for the preliminary stage. This will help it to link up with stations throughout northern Taiwan. The bikes will also assist us help the elderly. We will be holding a forum on governance in the capital and surrounding regions and will establish a dedicated action office. We have proposed a highway widening project for the stretch of highway from Taipei through New Taipei Shijia District onto Jilong. Traffic between these cities will be better in the future. The four of us have common policy ideas, shared values and common experience. If the four of us get elected, I believe this would be the big plan for the capital region. The four candidates representing Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong and Taoyuan spurred each other on, describing shared plans for Taipei and its surrounding cities. They hope to bring industry, government and academia together to create a planning committee for Taipei and its surrounding regions. While the DPP makes grand plans, the KMT is also rumored to be planning a shared vision for northern Taiwan and is expected to hold joint campaign events in November. The first stop is expected to be Taoyuan, where KMT members will lend support to the campaign of candidate Simon Zhang. Four arrows shot in unison is the best strategy. As for the KMT, we put forward this idea and now they realise the importance of this approach and will do things this way. Of course we welcome that. It's the best way to help Taiwan move forward. You can see that Taoyuan Mayor Zheng Wen-san gave a good performance over his two terms in office. Naturally, that puts pressure on the KMT. For Taoyuan, the DPP has been a glorious administration, so the KMT will really need to assemble all their forces in the city. With the elections fast approaching, the DPP hopes a united campaign will ensure its victory in this important region in northern Taiwan, the capital and its surrounding areas. COVID case numbers on Tuesday approached the 50,000 mark once more, with the total number of cases higher than the same day last week for nine consecutive days. Tuesday's number of 49,509 also marked the second highest daily record since infections from the BA5 subvariant began. Today's number of cases is 3,091, more than last Tuesday's number, an increase of 8.6%. There's a wave caused by the mid-autumn festival long weekend. It's also possible that our plans to open the borders on October 13th has had a psychological effect and many people are letting down their guard a little. So of course it can't be ruled out that this week will be a peak. The CECC believes that the COVID epidemic is still peaking and will continue to monitor the situation. However, the timetable for opening Taiwan's borders remains October 13th and won't change. Judging from the number of people on oral antiviral drugs, COVID case numbers are exceeding the peak of the BA5 subvariant wave in mid-September. Ahead of the opening of the 2022 Taiwan Inotech Expo next Thursday, the organizers today released a taste of things to come by showing off inventions. 
One highlight was a thermal responsive hydrogel developed by Taiwan's Industrial Technology Research Institute under the guidance of the Economics Ministry. It can morph from a liquid to a gel when the surrounding temperature rises. It has widespread medical applications as it can serve as a carrier for a bioactive agent and can be applied in orthopedics, wound healing, dentistry and other fields. Thermal responsive hydrogel is dropped from a syringe onto a heated plate that simulates a body's temperature. After a few seconds, it quickly condenses into a gel. Compared with current treatments for degenerative arthritis, the hyaluronic acid in the liquid can remain in the affected area with therapeutic results. It makes use of some excellent domestically produced synthesized chemicals and some polymer technology so that after its constituents are polymerized, it can be in a liquid state at room temperature. But when it's inside the body and its temperature reaches around 37 degrees, it turns into a gel. With this kind of product, therapeutic drugs stay in the affected area for a long time. Thermal responsive hydrogel not only has adhesive qualities, but can also integrate growth agents and medication to strengthen the body's ability to repair itself. It uses new medical materials, and in addition to being able to be absorbed and metabolized by the human body, it also has the advantages of temperature sensitivity and high compatibility with organic materials. In the future, it can also be applied to orthopedics, used for healing wounds, or used in dentistry or medical beauty treatments. This is the latest invention from Etri under the guidance of the Economic Ministry's DOIT department. PMA De Novo and De Novo refer to requirements for a first product to enter the market. In addition to resolving the medical needs of humanity, the technical threshold in the industry is relatively high, and the possibility of being surpassed by other competitors in the future is relatively low. 2022 Taiwan InnoTech Expo will debut on October 13th. It will bring together innovations and research from 10 different ministries, while 460 manufacturers have been invited to participate. In addition to promoting the commercialization of intellectual property and technology, it will also give Taiwanese inventors a chance for the world to see them.